welcome to the Practical NLP podcast with me, Andy Smith. Catch up on previous episodes at nlppod.com. Welcome to the uh, Practical NLP podcast. And my guest today is, um, well, certainly uh, a leading NLP trainer who uh, I haven't seen for about 15 years since I think about then since I last actually met you in the flesh, Doug. It's, uh, it's Mr. Doug O'Brien, Ericksonian hyps- hypnosis expert, coaching expert, NLP trainer, and uh, I don't know what else, actually. Do you want to say what else? Uh, yeah, yeah to? enough. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> plenty. <laughs> okay. I, I, I plant trees well. I'm, uh, I planted a few trees in my day, just recently, actually, a few days ago, planted a new tree. I, I, I play the piano. I'm a piano player. Used to be a musician, a professional musician. You know, yeah, I've, I've made money. Like I didn't, uh, never got rich doing it. But you know, yeah, I've heard you sing fun. as well. So uh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, on a on the training course where you were uh, describing a scene or actually acting out a scene in the in the movie Cabaret. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, the highlight right. of the slide of mouth class right there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's... Uh... Oh, that was the highlight of my slide of mouth class. Thank you. <laughs> but... Yeah, maybe we shouldn't sing it. We're not really going for the, uh, like, Nazi audience <laughs> on this yeah. podcast, anyway. Um, so, uh, Doug... Um, Maybe we should, uh, yeah, I, I will be asking you what you're doing now, actually, but uh, let's start with the NLP, because that's, uh, that's the context in which I met you originally. How did you, uh, how do you get into NLP originally? Oh, my God. Um, so how I got into NLP originally was this. I was um, minding my own business, um, being a professional musician in New York, and when I say professional, it means I, I made money doing it. I played little venues and, and taught piano and I was a church organist and you know, basically do whatever I could to make, make ends meet. Um, and um, I was in a band and then this uh, person came to town named Tony Robbins that my girlfriend at the time was, was um, interested in attending his seminar. So she did. And at the time, um, his method of, 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 of marketing was basically kind of based on the forum or the est thing so that if people went to the seminar then they would be encouraged to bring their friends and family to the next one so of course i was encouraged to come to the next one when he came back a few months later um so she sort of basically threatened and controlled and variously persuaded me to go to this thing that i literally had no interest in doing this firewalk thing by this brash 24 year old kid back in 1985, um, but I did, I went, and uh, I was shocked actually at how cool it was and this NLP stuff that he was teaching, because that's what he did, by the way, Tony Robbins was an NLP trainer at the time, and the Firewalk experience was an introduction to NLP, a demonstration really, that you could do amazing things like walk across hot burning coals if you used these strategies from NLP. So it was, it was very, very cool and I wanted to learn more. So I did and I did the whole weekend and then I went and a year later I got certified um, in NLP from Tony Robbins. It was a very intensive 15 day training 
Um, and he brought people like Richard Bandler and Robert Diltz and Tad James and Wyatt Wood Small and Dave Dobson um, to do a day or two. This was, this was back when all the uh, kind of big figures in NLP were still talking to each other and working together then by the sound of it. I think um, mostly. I, at yeah. this point in time, I think Bandler and Grinder had kind of parted ways um, in 1986-87. They, they kind of split up. So they weren't always talking real nice, mm. but, um, but they were still around. Everybody was still teaching NLP and things. And so, yeah, I, I um, was introduced to those guys at the Tony Robbins seminar and, and uh, decided, well, gosh, if, if they're good enough for Tony, they're good enough for me. So I wanted to, to learn more. In fact, I was kind of amazed that these people were the, actually the ones that created NLP and Tony Robbins took it from them. So I said, oh, okay, then I really do need to learn it from them. And I went and took trainings from Robert Diltz and from Richard Bandler and Dave Dobson and Tad James and Wyatt Small and anybody basically who was, you know, teaching me something that sounded interesting, I would go and study with them. So I've got actually a, a wall full of certifications and a practitioner and master practitioner and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so it's kind of took over my life without my intending it to. By, by 1990, I was doing it full time. So you were using it professionally at this point? Um... Yeah, it sort of segued into it. I was still playing music. I was still teaching piano lessons. I was still teaching at the Brooklyn Conservatory. But um, I also started doing sessions with people where I'd say, can you help me quit smoking? I said, sure. So I'd do those kinds of things and discover it paid well. You know, yeah. I'd have to you know, do a full day of teaching or a week of teaching piano lessons to little kids to you know do one session for two hours and get somebody to be very happily quitting smoking you know very very happy and you know singing my praises and paying me 200 bucks you think this is good <laughs> yeah that's back when 200 bucks was 200 bucks right <laughs> it was yeah it was actually not 200 bucks it was like a hundred bucks maybe or 50 or 75 but um, still it was good money Nevertheless, yeah. yeah 1990 so yeah that's uh how i, how I segued into doing this and i've been doing it ever since right okay um so i'm gonna i'm gonna drop uh, an appreciative question uh on you now um what's been tell us about one of your best experiences of nlp wow there are so many that it's very, very difficult to answer that question. But I can answer with, uh, how would you know it's not? Because <laughs> there, there are so many, I could just yeah. pick one, say this is the best thing that ever happened, and you'd believe me, probably. Um, <laughs> but you know, seriously, back in the early days of NLP, when I was working with Tony Robbins, um, he would have us do things that were pretty extreme, just to show us that we could. So as an example, during, during the NLP certification course, he would um, give all the participants there uh, uh, a quarter, which is how much it costs to make a phone call back in those days of pay phones, which were these things where you could actually put money into a phone that was connected by wires to other phones and you could dial a number. You, you've heard of pay phones, right? Um, yeah, we had them in the UK where they largely doubled as public toilets as well. <laughs> My, my recollection of being in England is they didn't work very well either. No. Um, so they were probably better as public toilets than they were as payphones. I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, but anyway, he gave everybody a quarter and an apple and a map of the area. And he'd say, okay, now um, give me your wallet and your credit cards and your room keys. 
for the hotels that we were staying in and um, we'd have to leave the premises for 24 hours and survive out there by our wits. That was his way of showing us that we could in fact do that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had some very, very interesting experiences, you know, attempting to survive for 24 hours <laughs> with the quarter and the mat and did very well. I started doing, I went to a mall and started doing some NLP you know, sessions with people in the mall. I, um, went to Sedona, Arizona, which wasn't too far away from where we were holding this thing and climbed to the top of this butte, which was pretty awesome experience, actually. Um, had a very, eh, it wasn't an NLP experience, but it was a very impactful experience for me to be on top of this, this butte and, you know, experience what the word awe really means. You know, the word awesome is, I think, used far too frequently. It's, oh man, that's in such an awesome dessert. You know, it's like, no, it's not actually. <laughs> it may be delicious, but it's not awesome. Because the word awesome, when you're filled with awe, when you just are struck with this experience of, I can't speak, you know, that's what the word is all about. Yeah. You know, and I experienced that at the top of this butte, you know, sort of being cast back in time and experiencing the dinosaurs that probably walked this land when it had been the bottom of a you know, seafloor that had been thrust up. 63 million years ago and there's a you know dense forest because when you was when i was climbing up this this butte there were strata of you know sedimentary rock you know climbing up this butte there are strata of sedimentary rock with you know these amazing looking fossils in them and stuff it was, it was amazing so um you realize that you were walking where these giants once walked it was when it was a forest or jungle so that was pretty amazing. I, I, NLP has just been remarkable. I've, I've done NLP with uh, the Research and Recognition Project where we've helped veterans using, you know, basically the NLP phobia cure with these guys who had just horrible war experiences or training camp experiences, whatever, but, you know, it's really true trauma and real true PTSD. Um, and in three sessions, they would basically not have those symptoms anymore they wouldn't be having the flashbacks and not having you know the nightmares that had plagued them for decades in some cases some of these guys were vietnam vets yeah i'm i believe i've read some of the uh that the research is starting to come through from this now and it's uh finally a little bit of pushback about that idea that NLP is unscientific and there's no research to support it. And now uh, there's starting to be some, which is, uh, research which is great. Yeah. 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 Mm. So lots of, uh, lots of amazing experiences and still going on by the sound of it. Um, what do you, what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out in NLP? I wish I had known that um, Tony Robbins didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe wish wish I could have like um, heard about it sooner, so yeah. that I'd, I'd um, you know gotten back even further into the history of it. You know, if it been awesome, it would have been awesome actually to uh, meet Milton Erickson as an example. Um, I compare my notes to this life in the '70s with people like you know Robert Diltz and Stephen Gilligan. We're approximately the same age. But, you know, while I was attending music school, they were attending, you know, U.S. Santa Cruz and UCSC Santa Cruz and you know, 
taking classes with Gregory Bateson and Virginia Satir and traveling over to Phoenix to work with Erickson. It's like, that would have been pretty neat. <laughs> I wish I had known about that back in the 70s. Yeah, so, so this is, um, it, it seems like uh, the conditions were in place there to allow some amazing things to happen. Yeah. Uh, either that or they were exceptionally, that university was exceptionally lucky that it happened to have so many incredibly talented people in one place at one time. I think the, the environment makes a difference, I think. I think both things are true. The environment definitely does make a difference and they were incredibly lucky. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, the university was lucky. Gregory Bateson probably would have been as brilliant as he was no matter where he went. And he probably would have influenced quite a few people no matter what university he was at. Yeah. So there would have been, maybe if he'd have been at my university, I'd, I'd be the, the Stephen Gilligan's and the Robert Diltz's of the world. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. So, um, so, so you've mentioned, um, you mentioned Milton Erickson before. Um, I, I kind of know you partly as uh, an Ericksonian hypnosis uh, teacher and specialist. Uh, yeah, totally your, right. your, uh, your website is called ericksonian.something, right? Dot org, is it? Com. Dot com. Okay. Ericksonian.com. Yeah, actually, I have two websites that have that moniker. It's ericksonian.com and ericksonian.info. Um, and the dot info site is actually very, very neat. It's got a lot of info. <laughs> hence the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it does. It has a lot of, you know, interviews and, and articles and stuff. It's really, it's a great website. So yeah, I never met Milton. I went to his house though and I met his wife, Betty. She showed me around and I, I met his daughter who wasn't there. I met her later at a different time, um, Betty Alice. So you know, I've, I've been around, and yeah, I like to think of myself as, as you know, somewhat of a well-versed Ericksonian hypnotherapist. Although I never, like I said, met Milton. Um, but yeah, I, I learned first my first foray into hypnosis after recognizing that NLP was built on Ericksonian hypnosis was with this guy named Dave Dobson, who was not, as it turns out. And Ericksonian. He had learned, um, he developed his own sort of style, which is very parallel, very similar to Erickson's, but didn't learn from Erickson. He did that himself. And so he did meet Erickson once. They, they talked. Uh, he attended one of his workshops, I think, but um, he wasn't per se an Ericksonian. So when I was learning from Dave, I was thinking I was learning Ericksonian hypnosis, but it turned out I wasn't exactly learning the same thing. So that's one of the reasons that these days when I talk about what I do, I refer to it more as neo-Ericksonian hypnosis because I learned from Erickson's students mostly, you know, Gilligan right. and O'Hanlon and Zeig and those folks. Um, and a lot of NLP, which is derived from Ericksonian hypnosis, but isn't really Ericksonian hypnosis. It's Bandler's version of it or yeah. Grinder's version of it, or Dobson's, or I'm sorry, uh, Diltz's version of it. So, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Neo Ericksonian seems to make more sense. Yeah, um, which is which is interesting um, because uh, sometimes when you see on like forums and Facebook groups and so on, uh, some somebody asks, "What's the best?" Uh, NLP training practitioner course I could go on and of course everyone says their own 
course that they've been on <laughs> or if they're a trainer sometimes they just say oh yeah my course even though i live in a different country from you and uh it's staggeringly expensive and so on but very often they say well you need to go back to the source you need to go to either bandler or grinder um but a lot of the guys they trained a lot of the people they trained um added some extras to it as well you know that it's not like what you're getting is a watered down version necessarily it could be um a version with some extra bits added that actually make it better and stronger yeah no I, if i were to answer that question i would i would not Gosh, do i want to say this out loud Okay, I've started in for a diamond for a dollar. I would not recommend Bandler or Grinder to, to learn NLP if you were going to do that these days. Um, I don't think they're, I mean, they're certainly capable of teaching great seminars, but I don't think they do teach great seminars these days. Um, it's been an unfortunate truth that seminars have gotten small, shorter and shorter. And, um, you know, I, I know that back in the day, I wasn't there, but back in the day before I was there in the NLP world, they, they taught 28 day certification trainings. Practitioner yeah. course was 28 days long. Um, the one I took from Tony Robbins was 15 days and I took several others that were 15 or 14 day long. I, the ones I've been teaching for the past few years are 14 day trainings. Yeah. And just frankly, you, you need that much time at least mm. to do it. You know, probably would be better if you did a 28 day training. But people aren't doing that. People are doing six-day trainings or five-day trainings. And it just, you know, you can't get it done. I don't think yeah. you can get it done. I think there's one guy in the world who's still doing like 28 or 26-day trainings, which is uh, James Sakalos in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Who, who was, uh, he was actually the first guest I had on this podcast. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's somehow, yeah, I guess his reputation is such that he can actually still attract students um even though his course is like four times longer than everyone else's yeah, yeah. twice as long as mine but yeah. still yeah quite long and what about richard Bolstad? does he uh, teach a long day um i don't know to be honest i think that there's a home study element and i think his come may come in around the 14 mark i i do need to uh, actually now I'm doing this podcast again. I need to get him <laughs> as a guest, but the time difference with New Zealand is absolutely horrendous where I am. So uh, maybe I'll have to try and catch him if he comes abroad to train. Nope. I don't know if he's traveling too much right now, but right now he's not. No, I'm sure he's not. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's really got into uh, virtual trainings, I think. Right. So proving it can be done. Um, so I, my next kind of standard question, uh, you may have answered it already, I'm not sure, is what are you really excited about in NLP or perhaps elsewhere right now? You know, that's a really great question. And the, the answer really, truly, honestly, is that I'm not interested um, or excited about <laughs> NLP per se. Right? Okay, what are you excited about now? What I'm excited about is um, coaching. You know, which is an application of NLP. I'm looking to how how we take this the, the tools from NLP and really just sort of say what are the essential ones? What are the what are the skills that are essential for helping to change somebody's life in as effectively a process as you can? So, what are the coaching skills that are essential for helping a person to get from point A to point B, but not just 
you know, because you know the, the strictures of how to do it, but but in a creative, generative way, that maybe will take them, you know, to point Z as well, because they've just discovered so much about them. So you know, putting putting them into practice. Um, so I'm not teaching NLP certification courses anymore. I'm teaching what I call neo Ericksonian hypnosis, but it's sort of combining the Ericksonian principles with the NLP things that are useful. And then some other things that I've learned along the way as well that aren't necessarily either one of them, like as an example from Dave Dobson or Stephen Gilligan, you know, people are, are expanding and growing these works. So Erickson might not recognize it anymore if we're you know, doing those same things now. But I think they're really, you know, useful, really valuable for people. So that's that's what I'm excited about. And there's other, this other thing that I do now called behavioring techniques, which also I'm finding a great deal of um, power in, you know, that really helps people change very rapidly and organically in a very you know, true to themselves way. Which is okay. Um, so is that something that you could sort of show us a bit of or describe a bit of perhaps something that, cause I, I like uh, for my listeners to get some sort of little tip or technique that they can, they can try out with themselves uh, from listening sure. to each podcast. You know, I, I bet you, I would imagine that most people listening have at least heard of it by now, behaving techniques. Um, so just if they haven't, let me just tell you real quick. Yeah, but please for my benefit too, I think, uh, yeah. Okay. It, it, um, Paul McKenna, whom I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. um, British hypnotist, told this American doctor about tapping once. They were friends and he just said, hey, have you heard, I read this book about this tapping stuff. He said, oh, really? I've never heard of that. What, what book is that? Can I read it? So um, American doctor named Ron Rudin got hold of the book about tapping about Roger Callahan and uh, was reading it one day in his office when one of his co-doctors said, hey, what you reading? He said, oh, I'm reading this book about taking away phobias and stuff. He said, oh, I've got a phobia. He said, oh, you want to try this? He said, oh, let's try it. So they sat down and Ron just opened the page, the book on tapping away phobias. And they did it and it worked. And the right. guy's cat phobia went away in you know, 10 minutes. So Dr. Rudin thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I, I don't buy into the quote unquote science behind why it works, but clearly it did work. And so he kept trying it on. Every time a, a, a patient would come in for a checkup that day, he said, by the way, do you have a phobia about anything? And they would do another phobia whenever he had a chance. And they all worked. So this got his attention. He said, okay, I need to find out why this works. And a long story short, and I'm gonna tell really a long story short is he found out why. Is he found out that when touch, whether it's applied by uh, stroking, which is what we do in the havening techniques, on the forehead or the cheeks, mm -hmm. sort of um, just a nice, comfortable feeling, and also on the arms from the shoulders down to the elbows, um, that that sensation creates delta waves in the brain. Okay. Uh, the body is an electrical chemical organism, and this the sensation creates is transduced to an electrical chemical signal that goes to the brain in the form of a delta wave. Delta waves in turn change the brain chemistry by producing oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine and GABA. And basically it changes the whole way we feel because of the delta waves that are there. Uh, is this something people can try out for themselves? Is there like a... There, there, there are a variety of um, videos online that one can see. You can go to havening.org and find out more information about it. Um, 
It's probably the best source. I have a few videos on my own website on ericksonian.com or Doug O'Brien Hypnosis that would probably have some, but you can just go to havening.org because my videos are there too. Um, okay, well, I will, yeah. I will link to yours in the show notes. Okay. And um, yeah, basically, if a person wants to try it on for size, there's, there's basically two ways we, we, we use havening. One is to get rid of the traumas or the phobias that have been you know, encoded in the brain from a past experience. Process we call event havening, and that's usually, we recommend that's usually done with a practitioner. Sure. Who's gonna help guide you through that. But the, the, the process is deceptively simple. You, you basically, you, you allow the feeling to come up by remembering it. You, so you recall the event. And so when you start feeling the fear or feeling the anxiety, that means basically that the receptors in the amygdala that cause that response have become potentiated. So they're activated and they're basically therefore available to be um, changed. And then when you do the delta yeah. wave prediction, because if you weren't doing that, right, then it wouldn't have any effect because uh, it wouldn't be related to the experience. Right. So this is the way we sort of target the the therapy, is we have these amp receptors get potentiated, so now they're exposed, and then when when you do the delta waves, the, those chemicals get in there and affect that. So we take away the effect. It's it's remarkable. The thing that I love about it really is Dr. Rudin did about eight years of research into like why this was working before he told anybody about it, mm -hmm. except for his twin brother, uh, Steve. So, you know, this was, this is well-researched real stuff. This isn't just sort of some woo thing that somebody decided, Hey, if we do this, it's going to work. This, this actually has got some science behind it that keeps growing. It's, it's, right. it's got neuroscientists involved now. I mean, Dr. Rudin was an MD and a PhD in organic chemistry. But nevertheless, he could do research. So he was doing this stuff very accurately. Anyway, the other way that we uh, very, in a sense, very easily do havening is to create a positive future. Right. So because when you do this touch on your arms and face, really, I think also pretty much any place above the neckline that feels good, you're going to get delta waves. I often do it over the top of my head. You get a flood really of dopamine and serotonin and GABA and oxytocin it feels really, really nice. But there's a part of the brain called the hippocampus, which is right next to the amygdala, which is where you create new memories. And that requires serotonin to create the new memories and consolidate them out to the larger cerebral cortex in the process called memory consolidation. So what we can do basically is like an NLP future pacing. We visualize what we want to have be true we see ourselves being that way in this visualization and we say to ourselves things like, I can do this. I have every resource I need to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it now. I'm doing it now. And you do that while you're doing the havening touch on your arms and do that while you're doing the havening touch on your face and you just take five minutes and do that and visualize and talk to yourself that way. And it really is nice. It's to me, it's like affirmations on steroids. Mm -hmm. you know, because your your hippocampus is getting flooded with the serotonin and seeing these pictures and hearing these sounds and God's like, yeah, I remember that. You know, it's it's like creating this memory. In NLP, it's like taking a change personal history and you know saying yes, this is real now. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's very very strong. Except it's in the future. Um, yeah. Right. But it makes that future credible, so you believe that you can get there, which. Right. Uh, 
I guess, is a kind of prerequisite for actually doing something about it. Because if you don't believe you could get there, then why would you do anything? Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. makes the future real. It makes it uh, like it's, it's an actual thing and you just have to take the steps to get there. Okay, this is making me think now. I wonder if that could be combined with uh, appreciative coaching. Um, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Because one one of the things we do there is people discover when things have worked in the past, even if only partially, and you can then take those things and put them in the future as the foundation for your yeah. future vision. So you're not starting with that terrifying blank sheet. And yeah, no, you. And what's also cool about it is that. Um, when you're doing Havening, it does bolt on so well with, with things that you already know how to do. Mm. You know, in a sense, it's kind of creating like the right brain chemistry to make that stuff sit, set in there. So it's, it's kind of, this is a kind of a brain chemistry mm. model. And then yeah. the cognitive part, you know, it's a psychosensory therapy. It's both the sensory part from the touch, but it's also the psycho, it's a psychosensory therapy. So, yeah, it, we're, we're perfect for that, the appreciative touch, appreciative uh, inquiry. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to check out Havening. Uh, I've never really looked at it because I was out of doing one-to-one -one therapy by the time it emerged, I think, mostly anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go and have a look at that. Okay. okay um, so, uh, my standard question would be, what are you doing with NLP now? It sounds like applying it to coaching rather than doing formal, this is NLP kind of training. No, I still, no, I, I'm not doing NLP trainings, that's for sure. Um, although I, in my essential coaching skills membership site, I do teach um, a lot of the NLP skills, but it's in, in the service of coaching. Right. So it's not just for fun. It's just because we, when you learn these particular skills, it makes the coaching better. And it also allows us to be better as coaches. So it's also, of course, doing in a sense what NLP has done for years, which is kind of self-therapy, if you will, making yourself a better person. Yep. That's the way you need to be in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And, you know, that's neat. That's mm. neat. I was, it's interesting, the other day, because I'm up here at the country house, away from my apartment in Brooklyn during this COVID-19, you know, self-isolation thing, um, I'm very fortunate that I have a, a pretty good piano up here. It's not, it's a still, it's just upright, but nevertheless, it's a nice piano, and I have the opportunity to play it here. Um, for interesting, for, for a number of years in New York, I lived in a very, you know, for Brooklyn, nice apartment, but I lived on the upper floors and I couldn't have a piano up there. Right. So I never had a piano for years. Now I have one and I can play pretty much every day. And um, I thought I was getting pretty good. And then I was online with this thing that there was uh, this online kind of meeting thing that happened, a Zoom conference thing. And a friend of mine was, was playing it and he's just an outstandingly good jazz pianist. And I was thinking, oh, geez, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was good, but um, but then, then I remembered NLP and I thought, well, no, it's like, if he can do it, I can do it. I just need to model that. So how is he moving? How is he breathing? How is he using his eyes? How, what kind of beliefs does he have? You know, how can I, how can I model this ability that he has? Um, even if he's not answering, you know, modeling questions, I can still sort of 
unpack it as much as I can myself. So I thought, yeah, this is, this is a really good skill to have, you know, to, to understand how modeling works, how, how the brain works, this study of the structure of subjective experience that NLP is, it's still really useful, you know? So uh, when I remember to use it, it's very useful. Yeah. So are you, are you putting that into practice then? Are you doing that uh, modeling? Yeah. And seeing results yet? It's a, it's a work in progress. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, piano playing is uh, a lot of muscle memory and it's still a lot of practice. Yeah. I can do a lot of modeling and stay on the right head frame for doing it, but I still need to practice. But nevertheless, I am. I'm sort of unpacking right. things and stepping it down to say, okay, what's, what's the first step I need to take from here? You know, when, when Harry's playing like that, you know, what's he doing? It's like, well, he's doing this, this, and this. Okay, well, let me just try this. You know, let me take this one step and see if I can really understand this first step. And we'll be able to do this first step. And it's like, well, I can do this first step. Okay, what's the next step? You know, so it's, oh, just, yeah. it's not like happening overnight. Mm. You don't say, wow, look at this piano player. I'm going to model him and play like him the next day. But I yeah. can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> practice is still essential yeah it is kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah fantastic okay so um if somebody is interested in becoming a better coach or maybe even becoming a coach at all uh where should they go to uh to get access to your uh teaching or your community whatever that's an excellent question. The essentialcoachingskills.com website has pretty much every training that I've ever taught, everything I've ever done available on it. So people can learn a ton there. Um, that being said, I don't teach coaching. I don't, right. I'm, I'm not a coaching teaching organization. Right. And I don't know who I would recommend to say, you know, go here for coaching. NLP coaching is great. So are other ones. So are other yeah. systems for doing that. Um, I think it sort of depends on what is your, calls you, you know, what is yeah. bringing you to. Um, I adore what I do. I, I love Ericksonian style, Dobsonian, Neo-Ericksonian hypnosis. You know, I love that approach to, to being. Um, and uh, influence that NLP has brought to it and other things that are brought to it. I, I love that. And then when they're adding havening to that, it makes it even, even better. So I would say, find those things if you want to learn how to do those things. And you can find a lot of them at it, at the essentialcoachingskills.com. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you very much, Doug O'Brien. It's been great to catch up with you after what, 15 years, something like that. In fact, okay. it's probably a longer conversation than we've had since <laughs> ever, probably. Because uh, well, you, were, you were working, I was a student most times, I think, when that was uh, going on. Some nice conversations over dinner, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. a lot of other things going on, like, please pass the carrots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right. right. See you soon. See you soon. Good. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Doug. That's it for this week's podcast. Remember, you can see the show notes for this episode at nlppod.com and you can download back episodes you may have missed from the online store at webstore.nlppod.com.
See you next time. Thank you.